This is the Scum and Sneak Fantasy Football Show about the LV Dynasty Fantasy Football League that we are all in. We're back, Sneak. We premiered, had a little hiccup, but we're back. Yep, we are back. We're talking mid-July. Training camps are about a week or so, two away. And uh, let's... uh, have ourselves a good show yeah a little hooked up last week the whole family sounds like they were sick but are, are is everyone on the mend everyone's on the way back um still feeling a little bit of crud and stuff for for those who did not see the social media post i had to enter health and safety protocols last week got got hit with the positive covid test and it trucked me it really knocked me out for like a day and a half so i was just sleeping wasn't able to come in and record, but uh, yeah, doing better now. Probably still sound a little bad, but that's that's kind of always how I sound. I feel like so. There we go. Man, that is that sucks just to get knocked out like that. But getting it, getting it over with. Summer, you still got plenty of summer ahead, and uh, at least it wasn't during um, football Sunday. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have stayed up for football Sunday at least, but. We'll see how uh, see how healthy we, you and I, the whole world can stay going into the fall. But um, my my question to you this week, nonsense minute, was inspired by, I guess a- I would say after I was uh, sleeping for about thirty six hours straight, mm-hmm. I had terrible insomnia, t- just just gnarly. It was crazy, crazy thing that's ever happened to me, uh, sleep-wise. But I wanted to ask you, what is the longest like duration of time consecutively that you have been awake? And like purposely, not like tossing and turning, insomnia, but you know, you ever pull an all-nighter for any reason, just as a kid hanging out. What what's your longest awake streak? Longest streak that I've ever been awake. Probably not much longer than, I guess, a 24 to maybe 26 hours done. You know, I've definitely done all-nighters, but it was like, if I was up at like 7, then I was asleep, then the next morning at like 9. So probably looking 24 to 26 hours and purposefully staying awake. Mostly, yeah, like kind of younger as a kid, just whether that's, you know, watching tv or playing video games all night or something like that with friends and then just being like well let's just we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it and then by nine o'clock the next day you're just like you basically sleep the whole next day then your whole days and weeks are just destroyed yeah and that's the beauty of summer vacation as a kid that was it for me anyway i i did that pretty regularly as a kid not even with friends just myself just like i'm staying up i don't want to go to bed yet but my longest one which was, I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, during college, you know, living on my own, no no rules, no one telling me to go to bed, but I did like, I did like 40 hours straight, just, it was like a Friday to like a Sunday midday, just up doing whatever, like why I think I had to study for something or do like a report, but then also like, had the homies over, we were hanging out, and then I had to like, be somewhere in the morning. So I was like, oh, I used to do that a lot too. I would just stay up. Like, if I go to sleep now at five in the morning, I'm not going to wake up 
to be somewhere at nine. So I'll just stay up. And I just carry that into like the next night that was crazy. And um, probably should have probably should have just collapsed at some point during that weekend, but I didn't. Yeah, I imagine after isn't it like a thing? It's just after a while your body literally will just like stop and you'll just fall asleep even if you're awake. Aren't people don't people stay up for like days and days and days and days and all of a sudden they're like they either die or they just like their body just stops and they're just sleep. I don't that's gotta be a thing, right? I would hope so. <laughs> There's gotta be a shot off point eventually. <laughs> just power down. And just to be awake for that and to like realize that's what's happening would be so weird. Just be like, well, okay, body is dying, but mind is dead. Well, anyway, Shank, we uh we got some making up to do for for skipping last week. So I wanted to kind of give the people a little twofer, not a full double episode, but two topics today. And I didn't even tell you about this. I'm spraying it on you too, right. just to get some fresh insight for one of the things. But I was just mulling around, you know, reading, reading some fantasy stuff. And there's a lot of what examination, prep, review of like current ADP, whatever you want to say, just like looking at players that are facing potential suspensions or that are coming off injuries that are, that are going to miss part of the year. So I wanted to talk about I guess the dynasty, but we can also do redraft perspective on what do you do with those players like a Alvin Kamara, who has the rumors are he's preparing for six games, but it's not official or the the extreme end Deshaun Watson, who might get eight games to a year to who knows it could be indefinite forever. He could be done in the NFL. So like, how do you manage that if you, have them on a dynasty roster? How do you manage that? Drafting them in redraft, like what's the lowest you go? And also, same question to people like uh, Chris Godwin or Michael Gallup or even rookie Jameson Williams, guys with late ACL tears last year that are, that are going to miss time. When do you, you know, take your shot on those kind of guys too? Oh, that's a good question. Lots of questions, but all kind of the same idea. Like, if you know you're missing games, how do you approach it for, for certain players? Yeah, good question. I think in the term, I think for me, someone like a Watson who already missed all of last year and is probably going to be missing all of this year, he's, in my opinion, undraftable in redrafts and dynasty I guess you just stash him or try to move him if you just don't, but you're going to be looking at two years out of the league, just sign that contract. So yeah, you probably stash him. I think someone like a Kamara or um, even Dalvin, is Dalvin getting suspended? Matt and I were talking about him the other day. What's up with him? I think everyone just kind of forgot about that one. I don't everyone know. Everyone just for, forgot about that and no one's ever spoken about him since. So he's probably just going to, somehow sneak under the radar. I think so, yeah. I <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think Kamara, Kamara, you're fine. Dynasty or redraft, he might fall around, but you're probably still looking at getting him. Um, rookie, like you mentioned, the Jameson Williams dynasty, he's still getting drafted first round just for a stash and sit. I guess the overall philosophy, it just it's just determined. I, I guess for me, it's it's you you weigh the dynasty redraft, and 
what you can, I guess, what you can get at the time where typically you see those players being being drafted. So I guess I'm leaning more towards looking at it in a redraft perspective. I'm I'm staying away from Watson, Camaro probably a round or two. You know, watch just kind of keep your eye on him, watch see where he falls. Godwin because of the I think when it, and then also another point would be the injury. Like the Godwin, I'm probably I'm staying away from. I'm probably not drafting him. I don't think if he gets drafted, it's probably going to be late. Or if he doesn't get drafted, then you look for a second half pickup. Um, but yeah, I think when it, when it comes to my philosophy would be whether it's an injury related or not, because then and then how serious that injury was compared to if it's just going to be a normal suspension and that type of player and what they've been like Camara. Obviously, you're drafting and you'll be willing to hold him for six games. Let's say Dalvin's in that same boat. You're going to be drafting him, you know, top two rounds. Are you willing to wait and hold him? Uh, Godwin, I don't think, is quite in that realm. And plus with the injury, uh, who else have we, Who else did you mention? I mean, those are the best names. Like, a good one, too. We already know this suspension is in, but DeAndre Hopkins for six games. Like, that's a done deal. He's missing those games. And then we'll be, we'll be back after. So he's another like, I think, I think what you're saying is right. There is going to be a redraft discount. Have you done that before? Have you taken a shot on the guy who's going to miss, you know, the, the old pup rules, right? So he's going to miss the first six weeks. You stash him on your bench and you're just like, okay, I'm going to have a great guy second half of the year. Have you done that before? I can't specifically remember a time where I made that a priority to than that I've done. I I probably have done it to some extent. Uh, and I and I really I think the, the best an- the way to answer this again is it just depends on who that player is, like a Camara and a Dalvin and even a Hopkins. Their past speaks for themselves. I don't think there's a problem with drafting and at their normal ADP spots, knowing that you're going to have the number one guy at that position who has proven to be that for years past in, you know, you know, halfway through the year, basically, or, you know, you get three quarters out of them. Uh, I think where, where it is, a mis- I think a mistake. And also, well, I, don't, I guess it would be a bit, I don't know. It just depends on, in my guess, or in my opinion, I guess, the type of player it is and what you're willing to do for. I'm sure I've done it to some extent, or, but it's just, I guess that's what it comes down to me is. And if I can't, or if the draft is going a certain way, or I guess in your, in your dynasty uh, team, if you feel like, well, I guess dynasty is different because we're talking in terms of our dynasty. All these players are on someone's roster anyway. You're not drafting Kamara or Hopkins or Dalvin or Godwin or even Watson. You're not drafting these guys. So Dynasty, you have them on your team. You whatever. You wait till they're ready to play, or a week or two after they're back in to see what you want to do with putting them into your lineup. In redraft specifically, I think maybe how the draft goes or how it's how it's playing out. If, if you say you can wait, say. You, you're say you get I don't know a, a Saquon and a, a CMC somewhere towards the late first or early second, and then Kamara's still there. Do you go after him or do you 
you know, try to fill up somewhere else. If you feel like, well, I can, I can get Kamara in the third or the fourth, knowing he's only going to miss six games, blah, blah, blah. I think that's, I think it's just determined on how the draft goes and what the reason for the, the missing time. Suspensions, nothing, in my opinion, nothing really to worry about. If it's injury, then you got to really, I think, look at it twice, like the Godwins or even a rookie Williams or someone coming off an ACL and someone coming off an Achilles, someone coming off something major, then you're probably, in my opinion, I'm staying away from that next year just because it just doesn't seem, you know, the risk doesn't outweigh the reward, in my opinion. Yeah, I like separating them out that way. Like injury, I would 100% agree with you. I think about like last year, I think I did, at least in one league, I did the Michael Thomas, you know, sit and hold, mm -hmm. thinking like, okay, you know, he'll miss however many games, still got him really late but he'll come back and be Michael Thomas. He'll at least, you know, get 10 targets a game, something like that. Right. And be a boost at the end of the year. Well, he never came back. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of an extreme example, but plenty of times those guys on injuries, it takes them that second half of the year, whatever, to really acclimate and you don't get the production you were hoping for. And yeah, maybe you didn't invest a high draft pick or whatever, in that player, but it's still just kind of like meh. So I would rather, I think now, take a shot on someone else that at least is going to play early on and I can kind of see what happens. Maybe they are breaking out that year or maybe I can just trade them or whatever the case is, right? Instead of having that kind of hope and the, like I've committed now to waiting, right? I can't really drop it uh, or drop that player uh, before seeing what happens and then it just fizzles out so the injury thing I would definitely agree on so yeah that's your Godwins Gallops even like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards like the, the Ravens running backs I'm still kind of like I I I think I'm personally out on them for this year just because I don't want to mess with the risk of that but um, I definitely see the appeal as for the suspension guys I think I think personally I'm out on them too, just because for like a Camara, I'm gonna spend what like a third round pick on him, like you said, in redraft, but I'm gonna miss six games. And and yeah, I feel like I should still be in contention without a third round pick by week seven, right? But you never know what happens. Like you get an injury on anyone else on your team and you're down, you know, two major players without having that suitable replacement and then you're, you're just not going to play off. So I think I'm at a point now where I would rather just have fill in the blank, right. Of whoever else might be right. Kamara. I think I'd rather have that person. That's at least going to get work in the first six weeks. Um, and then I figure it out later. So yeah, I, I like, I would agree that I'm, I lean more towards that way. If, if, if the person who does draft Kamara at a normal spot or around late or whatever, and he those the last 12 games doesn't get hurt, has you know amazing three quarters of the year, then so be it. I lost that on that, but I would rather start my season and yeah. my draft and players that I know that are gonna play and that are gonna be there. Because sometimes you get into your head a little bit too much. You're like, well, I'm just gonna. You know, like the, the Michael Thomas example was a was a perfect one where it's you know I guess Michael Thomas he's once he comes back it's going to be fine and he just never did come back correctly and it was like okay 
do I keep holding and waiting for that game or do I move off from him and, and to avoid that altogether is just like, just don't even, just don't draft and just let be down with that. And the Dobbins, you know, Gus Edwards saying it's the same thing, both coming off injuries, a backfield you probably want to be a part of, but at, I guess at what cost? Like to me, if for some reason Dobbins is there in like the eighth or ninth, then okay, maybe I'm getting him, but he's not going to be. But that's, I guess, the only way I would justify, which is where I would agree with you. Points in hand, players in hand. You know, I made a lot of those mistakes last year and trying in, in sneak league and redraft or trying to pick a court. Like I was like, oh, Lan- uh, Trey Lance is going to become the starter after six weeks and he's going to run for 100 yards every game. And that like never happened, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's like, I you you overthink and you you try to plan too much ahead and and try to oh I'm going to stash so and so and then it's you're just you're handicapping yourself from the start so um, yeah I would be with you with just laying off of them unless it's some crazy thing and there all of a sudden Kamara's there in like the six you're like well I guess <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, like that late, sure. It's a good question. It's hard to, it's kind of hard to explain it, I guess, because it's almost, I almost tend to think it's almost like an intuitive thing, you know, case by case per person. Like, it's hard to plan for that. Like, it's hard for me, my opinion, to be like, well, do I, what does my team look like after six weeks? Am I 0 and 6 or am I 3 and 3? And then I'm waiting for the likes of Hopkins to come and be my number one receiver. Like, I don't know. I, it, this is the, this is a good question for those redraft leagues and people out there that because that this might this is one of those years where a lot of big name players from the past couple of years are either coming off injuries or going into suspensions where you're like, man, like let's say Dalvin's in the same boat as Hopkins and Kamara. You're looking at Dalvin, Kamara, and, and Hopkins, three of the top what fifteen players from last year, just not playing basically half the year. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's Definitely hard. Half the regular season. That's the big thing too. Um, sorry to talk over you there, but no, I mean, that's what I was saying. I, I don't, I think just where I get, I don't know, for whatever reason, where my view is now is one of just not taking the risk on, on those guys or, or like, not not betting that they'll just kind of like make up for what I lost in the time that I had them on the roster for and got zeros out of them, right? Like uh-huh. just need to work on, you know, starting off good. And then, you know what, if you want to look to trade for those guys when they start to, you know, maybe their first game back or right before and that other manager is having roster issues, now's the time where I'll be like, okay, yeah, I want to take a shot here. But in the draft, uh, I think I'm just a stay away kind of mindset nowadays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that was fun. So that was, yeah, that, was that was a good question and a good talk for our redrafters out there that might be listening that aren't necessarily in a in a dynasty and want to know what somebody to do with some of these big name players that uh, won't be starting the season uh, playing right away. So we're here for. For all types of fantasy football followers, not just Dynasty. But mostly Dynasty. <laughs> Today's episode was brought to you by The Turd Timer. 
Hey husbands, boyfriends, and other poo-crastinators. Do you find yourself sitting down on the porcelain throne just to sit there for hours scrolling through your phone? Well now, the makers of Squatty Potty introduce the Turd Timer. This nifty four-inch tall hourglass timer was taken from your favorite board game. All you have to do is set it next to the toilet to remind you to sh- or get off the pot. Available literally anywhere children's games are sold. All right, so let's move on to our next topic. But first, we're introducing a new segment, something I'm really excited about, something that I think is going to be really informative for people out there, and I think something that's pretty relevant, wouldn't you say? Yes, very much. There are at least a lot of, of Dynasty players out there. Yeah, I, I'm going to... You know, let's just let's just get into it. We don't need to to prep it or give any hints, whatever. We're just gonna start with the new segment called Tank Facts. Tank facts, love them. Well, let's get rolling with our tank facts. What do you have, Shneek? What's your inaugural tank fact? Well, the first tank fact I have for us this year is the first tank was unveiled in 1915. So a hundred years ago, there were tanks and people in tanks and talking about tanks and there was in 1915, there was your first tank. So relevant hundred years ago and today tanks. Yeah. So you'd, you'd say there's still tanks today. I still, there's still tanking activities going on in today's world. <laughs> <laughs> My fact is um, one of the fastest tanks ever built was the American Hellcat M18 designed by Buick. It was used in World War II and could reach more than 60 miles per hour. So that's one of the fastest tanks back in World War II. I think today there are even faster tanks. Would you agree? Oh, I would definitely agree. I I think you can go from, you can be immediately in a tank in a split second. Yeah, I think it takes about two, two, two steps to get into a, to just a really fast tank. Does that sound familiar? I mean, it does, it does sound familiar. Just as fast as you can get into a tank, you can get out of them too. So yeah. But yeah, that's tank facts. Tank facts. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I'll, you know, a lot more of us now are dads. Dads really love war history and some dads really love tanks. So be on the lookout for more. Tank facts. Hit him again, Snake. Sing it again. One more. One more. Brought to you by this kind of Snake Show. (laughs) So, Snake, our second topic today is going to be rookies, the the class of 2022. A fun class, and I think the class that you are the most invested in out of any recent rookie class. 
Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Uh, my first time really ever. I don't even remember the last time I drafted in the first round or two. So I'm excited about it. So let's just do general talk. Some of our some of the popular or some of the main names. We'll get into. We'll go into like where they are drafted and how those what we think of those fits potentially, and then I guess where we would say they should go in a rookie type draft, you know, let's say like early first, mid first, whatever. We can also get into our league specifics, but I think for a lot of people out there, just kind of knowing generally where you should start targeting some of these players is going to be more useful. So I think we'll just do it that way, kind of keep it general and see where it takes us. Yeah, I like that. I like that strat. Let's start with a, the guy that's probably the number one overall on, on like every big board, every site. I mean, I haven't looked at all these, but he's been kind of the guy targeted in this class for years and years now. Brees Hall, running back out of Iowa State, drafted by the New York Jets. What are your initial thoughts on Brees? Initial thoughts is that he's a, he's a your clear-cut number one workhorse type back. I don't think the likes of a Michael Carter or whoever else, is, if Tevin is still in that backfield, should at all uh, scare you away from Brees. They drafted him for the reason that we all know he's going to be their guy. He's going to get, you know, mid-200 touches as a rookie. He's a big kind of bruising back, not necessarily the biggest speeds throughout there, so he's going to probably get a ton of goal line work. Uh, I predict a lot of touchdowns uh, and he's not that bad a receiver. If you go back to his college years, he's got pretty good receiving numbers. So really an all around back, not the highest of touted guys, I would say, but pretty close up there. So yeah, in a dynasty league all around, um, however your league is set up, Reese is looking to be the number one uh, pick and I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be the case. You know, running backs are at a premium. You want to get in on those on those guys for at least their first four to five years or so to maximize their young their young age and their potential on their team. The Jets are a young team. Uh, Zach Wilson needs help in the running game and in the passing game. So I expect Brees Hall to have a really, really good rookie season at least in the low top 20s and running back, maybe in that 15 in that 15 to 20 range overall. Uh, really like the spot for him. It's not a spot to where you are, have to worry about anyone really in front of him, any, uh, you know, veteran presence out there, really even a veteran quarterback to where they're not going to trust a rookie. It's a very young team all around. I think a very positive spot and whoever is going to be able to get him uh, will be a starter, I think a plug and play starter immediately. Um, you know, in our league, Brandon has the number one pick, and I don't, his running backs are, he's got a ton of them. So maybe Bruce doesn't start for him on his team. Uh, but overall, dynasty wise, yeah, target him, I would say, is your number one. Probably the only startable number one locked in running back in this class that you could, you know, put him in your team and look away. So, yeah, that's kind of my initial thoughts on, on seeing him. Do you have any concerns? It doesn't sound like you do, just based off everything you just said. Like, to you, he's pretty surefire. Not, not as the one, but a pretty surefire 
running back that will have success. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Wait, what was it? What was your question? No, I think you got it. I was, I was asking because I think I'm starting to, to waver a little bit, not enough to take him out of the top spot or anything because he's going to be a starting likely three down running back and you don't get those very often. Yeah. But I still, I remember last year, us talking about the Jets backfield, um, Raheem Morris, you know, coming from that San Francisco Shanahan coaching tree and how they utilize every running back they can. Mm-hmm. They, they did that last year with, um, with Ty Johnson, with Michael Carter, with, um, I can't remember who else, but they, it was, you know, they didn't have a, a true workhorse there last year. Now they didn't have anyone as good as Brees either. So that is the change, but I, I could see it being where he is probably the leader and I would say he should be, but I don't think Michael Carter's going away. I think that they're still going to, they're still going to look to utilize some of that, just like switching out, like, give this guy a series, give this guy a series type thing. I don't know if if it's like Brees will get the nausea treatment that we saw last year. That's my concern. Do you – I think uh, kind of you mentioned a little bit the reason why there were so many guys used for the Jets last year is because they didn't have anybody. So they're like, well, we're just going to throw everyone out there. We're not going to zone in on one of these guys because none of them are good enough for that quality of work. I think now with Brees, they're going to move off of that. Michael Carter will be maybe in there on some third down passing, but I think Brees can is your all-around workhorse guy. I, I don't think that there's any reason to be to worry that he's not going to get the lion's share of all the work there. Yeah, I guess I guess that would be my my biggest thing is that there's no one there with that's I think really at his at his level right now. So. If he doesn't get the work, like initially, the first couple of weeks, if there's a lot of splits going on, then I would be starting to be like, oh, shoot, what's going on here? But I think if he does, I think if he comes out, which I, he's going to come out and get, you know, 20 carries a game and be out there for 80% of the plays, you're, you're going to be good. And that's what I'm predicting for him. Yeah. Like I said, I'm still, I still lean that way, but I'm just starting to like look at him kind of like with a, with a side eye, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be as as rosy and surefire as we thought like a year ago, but still got to take him with the one-on-one. So that, that hasn't changed for me. Let's stay with the Jets. And I think my favorite receiver of the class, he was for a while. And then again, the, I guess I go back and forth a little too much. I got to stick a little more with my convictions, but Garrett Wilson. What are your thoughts on on Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State? I'm super excited for him and the position he's in with the Jets to become their number one receiver and get the rapport going with Zach Wilson. Obviously, his college career speaks for itself. I love the the draft spot. I think my initial waivers on him was like where he was going to go in the draft, but I think again, like the like you said with the whole, with the Brees situation is there's no one there that's really in competition for targets. 
for playing time. I mean, he's going to go right in and become the number one guy, the athletic freak. Uh, I don't know, or not to interrupt you, sorry, but there's a lot of Elijah Moore and even still Corey Davis truthers out there who would say that, like, there is target competition. I would okay. Not I wouldn't put Corey Davis in that in that position. I would put maybe Elijah Moore. He was a rookie last year, right? Yeah. Okay, so I guess I think, but I, I'm I'm still on the hill of of him coming in and becoming a clear cut number one. You know, X receiver that just is not going to be pushed aside by you know the, the Elijah Moore or Corey Davis. I just I don't. I just don't think that what the Jets did in their draft. You don't draft these guys the way you do unless you're willing to put them in a position to become the guy. And I think already Garrett Wilson is that guy there for the Jets. And maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm just you know an Ohio State guy, but I just don't. I don't see Corey Davis beating him out for any reason. And I you know Elijah Moore. I think is also coming off a late season injury of of some kind some there I just I don't I don't I don't fear them at all to make any impact for not saying Garrett Wilson is going to be the guy yeah I think the reason that I like Garrett Wilson the most coming out is that I don't think he's ever going to be bad like he's never going to disappear mm-hmm. just the way that you could use him on field the way he runs his routes and his speed he's gonna he's gonna be fine no matter what, no matter what, you know, target competition there is. I mean, you look at like other, what would you say, like stacked or, or loaded wide receiver groups. Um, I'm, I'm starting to come around to the thing or to the idea that it's not bad to have other really good wide receivers around you just because now the offense is just going to be better overall. Now you can just kind of do your, do your thing instead of, yeah, having having to play a possession receiver, having to play a deep threat, right? Like you don't have to play a function in the offense to make it move. Like they're just good guys all around. Where it's going to, you're going to just get balls thrown to you. He'll probably break some for touchdowns. So I do really like him, and I do want him to succeed. So even if he's not, like I could see the outcome where he's he doesn't lead the Jets receivers in fantasy points, but I think that's fine because I think that means that the Jets offense was good Zach Wilson had a good year and they kind of turned that thing around to be a pretty decent team they're not going to be like great but I think with the pieces they've added there's there's definitely a lot to be excited about for fantasy options in that offense yeah that's a good point is I think nowadays it is almost does help I'm not I guess I'm not saying that those other guys I just I don't think it's going to cause any re- reason for Garrett Wilson not to get playing time or get the targets. It's more of that he's just, in my opinion, far and away better than them. So he's going to, at the very least, he's not going to be behind any of them in depth chart and playing time and target yeah, yeah. share. You mentioned Ohio State, so let's talk about your boy, Chris Olave. Olave. What a such a silky. Last name just it rolls, it just makes you feel good. Olave, I mean, it's exotic. I prefer Olave, but hey, he, I, guess he doesn't <laughs> I think I said Olave forever, and then it's like all of a sudden it's Olave. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but he goes to the Saints, 
they traded up for him, so they really wanted him. And I would say that there's plans definitely to use him. And I think he could definitely have a major role. Michael Thomas, who we talked about earlier in this episode, is still a question mark, I feel like. And then the only other notable receiver name-wise is Jarvis Landry, who mm-hmm. is old and a possession guy, so not going to get, like, big plays. So something that the Saints were really lacking last year was a was a really good receiver to kind of break things open. And they had speedsters, but no one like Olave last year. So I think he's got a good a good shot to, to really produce this year. But that being said, I've never liked him. So I think he's going to be like the fifth best guy in this class. <laughs> How come? What is the reason why you don't like him? I don't like him because he's old. He was at Ohio State for forever. He was. <laughs> so, I mean, like, if you're good, you declare and you come out, right? Yeah. And then he was on the team with Garrett Wilson. Wasn't as good as Garrett Wilson. He was on the team with Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Not as good as him either. So he's the third best. I mean, he still had a great year because Ohio State had a great year. But I don't know. He just uh, – him not being – like the dominant alpha with two other good receivers just tells me that he's like fine and okay, I guess, but maybe that's just opposite of what I already said about Garrett Wilson earlier in a good crowded receiver room. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't like him that much. And he's kind of small. So. He's, isn't he the same size as Garrett Wilson? He's like a little smaller. <laughs> he just, he just, you just you just think he's small. He's just, his name and just everything. You're like, oh, he's a small guy. Like I've always thought that too about him. But he's yeah, he's, just, he's just he plays small. Like sometimes I have just these outlandish preconceived notions about players that just even if I'm proved wrong, I'm like, no, no, he's a small guy. Yeah, it's so weird. But anyway, coming back to Olave. Uh, also, I'm I'm huge on him. I, if if Jameis is going to get back to any semblance of just a slinging it around and crazy quarterback, then Olave is going to benefit greatly from that. Definitely has more competition there with uh, an established-ish type enigma, whatever you want to think about Michael Thomas anymore, if he is who he was anymore or not. But uh, let's say he does get back to Michael Thomas of old, then Olave is clearly the number two there. Uh, which doesn't bother me going into the draft that I think he's really good. And again, the saints wouldn't have, I think they even moved up for him uh, to, uh, to some extent in the draft. So when, when teams are doing those moves and drafting these players at such high picks, you have to hope that they've got the, the plan in place to make them successful. And you're in my opinion, he's, he's easily, top three receiver in the draft and I'm gonna get it I think I think the good thing about him is he's he's pretty safe too compared to some of the other guys we're going to talk about probably gotta talk about next so even though I said I don't like him I mean he is good he's got a place in the NFL and he's in a good situation where he can really if anything get plenty of like screens and, and you know slant type targets gets in ppr benefits uh, for fantasy points and then have potential from there to to flourish more in other types of 
routes and, and schemes. I, I think one of the other questions that we do have is what is that team going to look like now that Sean Payton's gone? But I mean, I think that, like you said, with, with Jameis there, with other offensive pieces, like it's not going to be a ground and pound, you know, even with or without Camaro, they're not going to just go old school, hard nosed offense. There's going to be plenty of pass opportunity, I think. So that's good for him. So while I don't know if you noticed, but while we are talking, the draft order looks like it just got set. I did. I have noticed. About it's, time, Brendan. Do nothing, Kamish. Brendan, why don't I have the seventh pick? This is stupid. This is all so dumb. Do nothing, Kamish. Do nothing, Kamish. Anyway, do nothing, Kamish. Who's our next rookie? Let's let's talk about someone who was worse than Chris Olave <laughs> had to leave Ohio State because he couldn't get on the field. A lot of people's darling, Jamison Williams, and I do not get this one either. I get that he's fast, um, but even before the ACL tear, I was like not, not a huge fan of his. I mean, I guess if you put up those numbers on the Alabama team in the SEC, like, yeah, you probably are good, but I just don't, I don't understand, like, how do you not – if you're not even going to, like, sniff the field with those other three Ohio State receivers, like, how, how are we supposed to expect you to be good moving forward? You know what I mean? Yeah, this is the one I really don't know how to judge. I don't think I really ever watched him play. I know he had, like, three touchdowns before the ACL tear in the championship game or whatever it was, but mm-hmm. I – honestly don't really know much about him i he in my opinion in, in my knowledge he came on the scene like at the very last second and all of a sudden was like a top 15 pick so i mean i'm probably wrong there i was maybe had a more body of work that i just wasn't aware of at alabama i probably should have been but he's just another one of those guys that i've decided in my mind that i don't know really anything about you so i don't care about you <laughs> yeah i think he's definitely more in like the rugs mold of basically was just fast. Doesn't have much more to his game mm-hmm. uh, more than like uh Devonte Smith or I don't know. There's the, there's the really good tier of Alabama receivers. Right. And then there's the guys who disappointed. And then there's in the middle Jerry Judy, who we're still trying to decide what he is. So I think Jameson falls on like the, the bad end, especially after an ACL tear. I mean, I get, I get that speed, like that's where the NFL is trending. But you know, I didn't love the pick for the Lions. I guess they're like, we're gonna we're gonna pack it in this year anyway, so we can let him rest, and we'll continue to build up assets and try to build a culture. And then maybe we get a quarterback, you know, maybe a Stroud or a Young, and then go for it after a, a year of getting healthy from, for Jameson. But I, I mean. If you draft him, not you specifically, but if someone drafts him in Dynasty this year, I think it's you're sitting on him for a year. Even if he ends up playing like week eight, nine, it's going to be limited. The Lions have no incentive to, to you know, let him full loose, especially when I expect them to have like a two and seven record by that point. Right. I, for me, that's it, it's a pick for the Lions and 
for whoever gets in the dynasty for next year with whoever the Lions get that quarterback because we know it's not going to be golf after this year. Right. So the Lions will probably be another top five pick and be in the running for a Stroud or a Bryce Young or whoever else is coming out. So it, it's, I guess it's just one of those, like, whatever for me, he's going to get drafted in dynasty top 12 regardless. Uh, but it's a it's a stash player for whoever gets him, and it's a you know and, the, and you know it's a it's you know we haven't talked about him yet, but in my opinion, he's another type where it's like you're just, you're playing for the future. I think I brought that up about the whole AJ Brown to Philly thing. I don't think Hertz is going to get the contract or move, and they're trying to plan for the future. So this is the Lions, and whoever drafts him is a definitely something for next year, and. Maybe he is the real deal and becomes a more polished receiver. And it's not just like a speedster guy that just goes post down the field. But uh, again, I, I just don't know if I know enough, seen enough, read enough, thought enough about him for me to make too much of a judgment on him. He's obviously, if he plays this year, it's going to be maybe, you know, back last four games and get him in there while they're already done and maybe see what he can do a little bit or they just hold him out all year say he's our number one guy going into next year blah 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 kind of thing and then they get themselves a real quarterback and then because we all know Goff's not going to be there for much longer I just thought about something when you were talking about like watching him and one of my like things that I don't like about him is that he catches a lot like with his body and I realized why I don't like that so much besides like that's what they tell you not to do but you know who i was uh really burned by who was a big time body catcher that i thought was legit who travis fulgham <laughs> remember the you magical had him, you had him for his four game stretch the magical run i thought he was legit but um fell off completely and yeah he was he was catching everything with his body so that's what it reminds me of a little, little different in how they like played, but still. So, do we? Did you just see? Do we have breaking news? Is Matt officially out of the LV Dynasty League? Matt officially out of the LV Dynasty League. Oh man, Chase is delivered. Has been removed from the league. Dum dum dum. Should we? Uh, should we just pivot into that? Should we go into this whole thing? No, we'll save it. We'll do a LV Dynasty. Episode later, but, um, we talked about basically all the other main receivers except for Drake London. So let's talk about him. Big boy coming out of USC, playing for the Atlanta Falcons, which is an interesting spot, I think. One, because their quarterback situation is murky, um, even more murky than, than the Lions that we were just talking about. I think they are definitely playing for. Or they're definitely angling towards one of those quarterbacks in 2023. Right. But also he joins Kyle Pitts and they, you know, when you think about like big, tall, down the field, stretching, super athletic receiver, uh, they got two of them, which is fun, but are both of their ceilings limited by this or, or what do you think? First thing I did, I had no idea Drake London was like 6'5", which is awesome. You always love having humongous receivers out there ready to, you know, become the guy. Mm, they don't really have anybody else, so I think I don't see any reason why Pitts and London can't both just command that offense 
agree with you that they're another team that is going into, uh, you know, they're in that bridge quarterback situation with Mariota. I don't know what to predict out of London this this year. He could very well have a couple insane games and then literally disappear for a couple games because that offense is, in my opinion, going to be pretty up and down, if not more down most of the time. So definitely, I think the type of guy that you want on your team, like I said, big, tall, fast, uh, athletic, prototypical number one receiver. It's just if he can develop into that you know, have that type of career. Uh, he's probably, uh, yeah, he's a stash dynasty guy for next year once he gets a quarterback. I'm personally predicting that Stroud and Bryce Young, both will, one of them will go to the Falcons, one of them will go to the Lions. So those receivers and that offense is going to get a huge boost next year. So definitely want to keep an eye on that. But Another guy that I, I, you know, don't really know much about, nor have I really heard much about him, but, you know, you as you're starting to watch highlights, he does look impressive. Uh, you just kind of hope he's not, for some reason, and I'm probably way off base, for some reason he just reminds me of like a Michael Floyd out of Notre Dame, just like big, athletic, fast, high draft pick, just doesn't really put it together, though. Yeah, first time I've heard that. Philly or what? Well, one, I really loved Michael Floyd coming out. I thought he was going to be so good. And yeah. like every every time he went to a new spot, I'm like, all right, this is it. And he he had some he had some moments, but I, you know, the the big comp for Drake London is Mike Evans. You see that a lot, and I feel like it's it's accurate. Like there's you just look at like their body type. The way they play. Yeah, I like the Mike Evans. That's way better. Mike Evans, if he's had the Mike Evans career, obviously he's a surefire go get oh, obviously, him. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like if you're like even if you're guaranteed like 80% of Mike Evans production, I'd be like, yeah, like I will take that. You know, no question. So now Mike Evans is one of like the best receivers we've ever seen, especially to start his career, right? Like how many years has he been in the league? Seven, and then a thousand yards every year, every year since he's been in the league multiple t- or multiple double digit touchdown seasons. So yeah, that's kind of lofty to say that Drake London will be Mike Evans, especially because he's not starting off with even someone who's like going to chuck it downfield like James Winston, you know, you've got a different quarterback situation, but the, the potential is there. And I like him. I think if anything, I should walk this back. Cause I said this about, Pits, but you got to get like at least six touchdowns this year out of Drake London, right? Once you get down in the red zone, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I just I like him. I think he's safe. That's why you know I have him above the guys I disparaged, Olave and Williams, uh, pretty handily. So yeah, I mean, even with Mariota or Ritter, um, besides Pitts, it's no one else on that team. So Drake London, as long as he stays healthy, is in line for 120 targets easily. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, we're going to talk about tight ends here in a second, but yeah, if you're not getting, is when you're six, five, six, six, how are you, I mean, you should be, you not only are you getting opportunities, but you should be cut. You should almost be guaranteed to have like, six touchdowns a year at least by just doing like goal line fades or or 
you know, slants at the five because you're so big and so bigger than all cornerbacks. And, and, you know, that's, uh, I guess that could be some knocks on the likes of Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know, only being like six, six, one, uh, but crazy athletic. If you're six, five, crazy athletic, it's like, you know, you've got the, you're the, you're the DK, you're the, uh, you know, even go further back to type like a Calvin Johnson. It's just like, you do, what can you do against someone like that? If you're a four, four, four speed guy with a freaking 45 inch vertical and you're six, five, like what, are you, what can anybody do against that? So hopefully yeah. he keeps that, he goes in that mold of the Mike Evans type and not in the Michael Floyd or whatever, whatever reason why he reminds me of him, but I didn't just, well, we'll see. Um, and maybe, maybe they just, you know, the Falcons, do they even really have a running game? Who's their running back? Mm, TBD. They got a rookie that we can talk about. I don't know if he's really going to play. I think it's uh, Damian Williams is probably like the favorite to be the starter right now. So why not go out there and throw it a bunch and have and 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 just let Mariota run it and throw it and Pitts and London both have 150 targets each. <laughs> I'd be so happy. That'd be so fun to watch. That'd be like, that'd be me playing Madden with this team. That's what I would do. Yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned tight end. So I guess let's touch on some, I guess we can, I don't know. Do you have a, a tight end you want to talk about specifically or no, the reason why I brought that up is because I think for me, it's, it's going into the year two tight ends way more so than the rookie tight ends. You know, I was, the biggest pits denier everywhere. But if he gets three more touchdowns than he did last year, he's like the number one tight end. Probably. If you have the likes of a Friarmouth who continues what he did, you know, he's a nice, solid, young tight end. So I don't think necessarily it's about the rookies this year. I think it's about those year two guys with the potential to make big, big leaps this year. Yeah, tight end's always a waiting game, right? With the exception of Pitts, every one of them is kind of one that you're going to want to sit on. Even, you know, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, right? Those guys were were projects for a little while. Kittle, I think, didn't blow up until his second year, so you don't see a lot of rookies even being like, somewhat relevant but uh, i like that point of looking at year two guys and kind of seeing who who would be cheaper right than like um i'm just going to name some names from this class just to put them out there but uh trey mcbride greg dulcich the guy that i think is going to be or is at least in the best position to be good this year is Cade otten near to him yet never he's a rookie tight end on the bucks and okay. so with Gronk retiring um, and Cameron Brait being Cameron Brait, I feel like there's a chance that this guy just steps into some kind of role if he can earn Brady's trust. So there's a fun name to watch out for. But yeah, you know, Cole Komet's getting a lot of that buzz as well, trying to, you know, with the with Justin Fields team up, trying to, you know, he's you know, no competition there. And, and the way that Bears offense is that is like Darna Moon, and that's it as well on the outside. So Komet's getting a lot of that. I think this is probably what his third year. I think for Komet is is for him to meet that hype, he does have to be like uh 
a target hog and get a lot of receptions because there's not much else he's going to do. He's not going to, he's not going to break long touchdowns. You know what I mean? He's not, he maybe is their best red zone threat, but how many, how many times are the bears going to be in the red zone this year? <laughs> oh, I love that. How many times are you actually even going to be in the red zone? Probably not three. Not, not a lot. So <laughs> it's just, probably like maybe once every three games. So yeah, can Colcomet like that's just because Justin Fields is gonna run like 60 yard touchdowns. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's their best play, honestly, probably that and um bombs to Mooney, but what I was gonna say is if if Colcomet like 50 catches for 700 yards. Uh, if that gets him to be like tight end 10, then yeah, you know what? So be it. Good for him, but nothing I'm like super hyped about. You know, quick pivot to the Bears. If the Bear, if it's not a bomb to Mooney or a crazy field scramble, it's just going to be. And if they have any offensive success, it's going to be like David Montgomery getting like 47 carries a game. Yep. Like they have three plays that they can run field running it throwing bombs to Mooney or just handing dives up the middle of the monkey <laughs> yeah that's what i feel like too uh, and they're going to be super successful we're going to be we're going to be like it's going to the, the bears are going to be that that week one stat anomaly that ever like that sammy Watkins three touchdown week one game it's going to be like the, the bears are just going to go insane week one and then literally do nothing the rest of the year I'm calling it. <laughs> now we got to have faith in our guy, Justin Fields. People forget that technically we traded, like there was a scum and trade for you to get Justin Fields. So there's a lot well, of shit. That our trade last year in the small draft when you yep. get that. Mm-hmm. I forget how I came about getting that pick. I thought I was dealing with Doug for that pick, but maybe I don't know. Yeah, same difference, me and Doug, right? Right. Just like, Brandon and all of his many teams. <laughs> let's uh, let's touch on the quarterbacks really quick because they're kind of like the tight ends where there's not much to be excited about this year. Only one was drafted kind of high. So Kenny Pickett, any excitement on your end for him, maybe winning the Steelers job this year or even down the road of him being good, worth a, worth a look? Personally, no real excitement whether he wins the job or not. Uh, just kind of a blah for me on him. Yeah, I agree. That's how I feel about all of them. Howell, Willis, Corral, I mean, you name it, right? Like, I don't. Yeah. Sure, any of them could like spot fill in and, and be a surprise, kind of like Kirk Cousins, right? He was RG3's backup, and now he's crafted himself like a nice career being a top 15-ish starter in the league, right? Like, right. we could see a guy kind of have that type of career, but still not excited about that, and you can always find that uh, at some point. So if you if you need a quarterback, or if your quarterbacks are looking a little old, maybe grab one of the guys with your, like, third, fourth-round rookie pick, but otherwise just kind of wait till next year, wait for the Strouds, the Youngs, guys like that, right? Right. All right, let's go back to the money position. We'll end here. There's some interesting names in running back besides Brees Hall. 
let's start with, I guess, Ken Walker, who would be the next guy for most people, I think, including us. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely the next running back behind Brees. You definitely got a gap, though, between Brees and that number two. And I would agree that Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, some of the early talks were that Penny is still going to be the guy and healthy and, and all that. And Kenneth Walker is going to take a backseat to him. I would probably say Kenneth Walker wins that job probably midway through the year. You know, is, is decent, is okay. He's probably going to have like an okay career at Seattle, not anything too amazing, but I think he's going to, you know, he'll be a nice, serviceable type running back in your, you know, mid that between like the second and third type uh, ranked running back. Yeah, not like just overly excited about him, but, you know, someone that you could rest assured to get you. You know, 10 to 15 points every week if you're okay with that in the running back position. Yeah, he's interesting. I I liked him at Michigan State this past year. He seemed good. I was, you know, if he was if he were to get uh, a legit starting role, like if he was on the Falcons, I'd be like, oh, Kenneth Walker is gonna have a, a surprisingly good year. And I think that could still happen with the Seahawks, but the Rashad Penny thing is is the big question because Rashad Penny was so good at the end of last year. If that didn't happen, I would say, oh, it's Kenneth Walker's team for sure. You know, they drafted him in second. Penny can't stay healthy, all that that we've been saying, right? But if Penny is the guy we saw at the end of last year, he should be getting the bulk of the carries and he should be the starter. So that's that's what makes it so hard for me. I don't know what's real. Is Rashad Penny finally healthy and is he that amazing? Or is it uh, is it going to be Kenneth Walker like midway through the season takes over that role, kind of um, holds like a Chris Carson on Rashad Penny, <laughs> and it takes over? Or will the Seahawks do their thing where they also have like some other weird undrafted running back that comes in and is amazing? That's all in play. And that's what makes it difficult for me to just go all in and say, like, yeah, love Kenneth Walker. I think he's going to be a starter for years. Like, I think his situation is just there's so many different outcomes that make it difficult. Yeah, for sure. It's like, is Penny finally going to be the guy in his fourth year? Like, hard to believe that, but I guess they're acting like he is. <laughs> who's, your, who's your third running back? After those two, probably for me, it's Damian Pierce in Houston. Okay. Because I think he's got the clearest path outside of Brees to, to win over that job quick and to get, like, again, it's sort of if you wanted to try to compare the teams, you've got the Texans can maybe can be compared a little bit to the Jets and being young, young quarterback. Not a lot of proven receivers besides Cooks and not a, a ton of options. And then they get running back in there. Uh, there's not like veterans in front of him. There's not like a bunch of people and players that have proven to, that you're not going to get playing time. So do the Texans, you know, I think Davis Mills is pretty good. You know, they, in my, my opinion, Pierce could be the next type of running back to steal a job and be 
you know, kind of like a surprise guy in the draft. And that's why I'm kind of thinking along those lines. I like Damian Pierce. I thought he was like solid and tough in Florida. And I think he will end up starting the most games for the Texans this year out of the running backs. You know, don't know how good he'll be in that, but what really concerns me about investing from a dynasty perspective is that he was a, a fourth round pick on a team that uh, still has a lot of room to grow and improve, right? They, they're going to want to do some more things. So he could just be like the next Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter was a fourth round pick for the Jets last year. Um, ended up starting a little bit like people who are, who rostered him for dynasty were like, okay, I might have, um, might have something here, right. At least for a little bit. And then they turn around and draft Brees Hall this year. And then Michael Carter's kind of done. Gotcha. So, yeah, I got gotcha. you know, I, they're not, unless Damian Pierce like is a great, which I don't know if he will be, they're not going to be committed to him any longer than they have to be. So that's why I'd be scared to use like a, a high-ish pick on him. But what, what were you like early second? I'm like, I think it's totally fine, but I wouldn't use a first, I don't think, if it were me. All right. Fair enough. My third guy, and really just because he was drafted third and because he's on the best offense out of all the options is James Cook, Dalvin's younger brother. Dalvin's younger brother, James Cook. That's so funny. Who is uh, smaller than Dalvin, has a more boring name than Dalvin, who's not as good, but he can catch some passes. I think that's what the Bills needed um, out of their running backs last year. So he's got a role for sure. And if Singletary goes down, you know, he, he becomes even more interesting. And we know Singletary has an injury history. So those are my selling points on him. But it's not uh, – there's not much beyond that. Like, I still wouldn't count on him to be, like, a starter for my team if I needed a running back and I was drafting in the first round. Yeah, Bills love drafting running backs and having a nice stable of – you know, mid-tier running back, so you never know who to play or what to do with them. And then you got Zach Moss from last year who was just inactive week one and then all of a sudden became the starter. Like, so I, I don't know what to do with that. I do like that he's on a high-powered offense, so you're probably going to get some decent decent run from him wherever you draft him and whenever you play him, especially in a passing game. And with Josh Allen and the way that build offense goes, uh, at least you can rest on that fact. Yeah, you could get a um, you know a high end flex play during bye weeks. I think that's what you would be happy with if you have James Cook, right? Anything above that is just a plus. For sure. Any other running backs? You, I think after like the four that we've talked about, I do think it starts to drop off. But anyone else that you were kind of like, look out for this guy. Look out for Rashad White or look out for Tyler Batty or look out for Isaiah Spiller. Who's like your – anyone? Is there anyone that's like that for you that you would want to shout out? Maybe Batty. Where did he go again? Oh, the Ravens. Oh. 
So he's behind a few guys, but those he's guys behind are a few guys. I remember up their knees. before the draft, I was starting to think that like he might be a little sneaky guy, but then he went to the Ravens, which already had a ton of running backs. So probably nothing out of him for a while. What are your thoughts on Zemir White with the Raiders behind Jacobs and Drake? I've seen a lot of people be like, they would be surprised if Zemir White takes over that role this year. And I think that's kind of dumb. Like, obviously, Jacobs is the starter and Drake is next up. But dynasty-wise, like looking at next year, I think Zemir White could be like kind of a sneaky play, similar to like how I kind of view Ramondre Stevenson right now a little like a little less but like next year when Damian Harris gets paid by someone else and some of those other backs kind of clear out like a James White retires or whoever I think Ramondre ends up looking pretty good so I think the same thing could happen to Zamir White where the backfield just kind of thins out through natural like aging out and ending of contracts and he could get a starting role so I'm interested but I don't think this year will be a Super productive year for him. Yeah. Same with the likes of like that, the guy with the Bucks and some of these players. They might be potential for future, you know, you know, second, third, fourth, even you know, fourth year guys. Uh, but I think if you're in dynasty right now and you're drafting someone for three years from now, you're probably better off not drafting them and letting well, especially to like all these running backs are like round four and later yeah. um, in, in the real draft. So it's like there's going to be a new crop of guys coming in the next year or two that are better than a lot of these guys that teams could go for. So kind of planning to have them as, as a stash isn't, I don't think is the most foolproof thing. Like, yeah, you could take a shot on it, but you know, nothing is guaranteed. Like I remember, Emory, you and I, both were really into uh, Rashad Jennings when he was backing up Maurice Jones-Drew for the Jags. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, he's next up. He's the guy. He's the guy. He eventually, like, got traded, I think. Did he go to the Raiders next? And then, like, still was a backup for a while and then eventually started on the Giants or something. But right. it, he was never, like, the guy. Like, there's eventually just a new crop of running backs that – kind of phase them out like he got some run he was kind of valuable but like if you have these highly touted backups um a lot of times it's just they are the backup for a reason there's not like a a real succession plan most of the time for running backs like there would be for quarterbacks or even receivers sometimes you can kind of like predict like the Roddy White to Julio transition you could see coming you know what I mean but I don't think running backs have that anymore. No. And I think even, you know, if we want to derail just a scope here at the end about running backs and holding like and handcuffs and stuff, like we're now we're at the point talking about Madison and Pollard, basically the, in my, I had them for, you know, until I traded them with my package last year, are they going to be the next guys for their teams or do they end up getting traded or signing for agency somewhere else? And now they're going into their, what fourth year and they're still not been the, the starter right, right. like you, you could have that same argument with some of these players like oh yeah maybe you know the zamir whites and the rashad whites of the world could be the bucks and the raiders running backs in the next two or three years but could they like are you willing to 
I mean, I know in, in Dynasty, you pretty much are just going to draft anyway, but yeah, you, you know, you don't spend a first round pick on them. Right. So I guess it, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you held out hope for like your, and like your call back to the Rashad Jennings. It's like you hold out these hopes for these players to eventually take over for like either an aging or, you know, a running back that the team doesn't want to sign to big contracts. And then their then their contracts come up. Do they sign the free agency somewhere as the number one? But you usually don't sign a backup running back as your number one running back if they've never sh- were a starting number one running back with the previous team. Usually, so you you kind of get these crop of players, especially in the running back position, where you're like, what do I do with them? I want them in case of injury, but. I, I'm never probably going to play them too often. I'm hoping for a future team or a trade or a free agency signing, and then they're going to be the one there. But does does the Falcons, okay, we don't know who the Falcons running back is. Do the Falcons just get a running back next year where there's like eight probably first-round running backs next year, or do they go sign a Madison or a Pollard as their guy? Like, like the new crop of running backs are younger, probably better and so those teams are going to and get them for a cheaper price as a river mm-hmm. yeah um, you know it's just interesting when you really want to deep dive into some of these players that just are that are very good awesome handcuffs but don't really ever get to play and probably don't ever play on your team as well you know it's just an interesting kind of thing to kind of dive into absolutely and i think you're spot on you know bringing up pollard and madison they are the the top two handcuffs they're great when they get like lead roles but they're behind two other great running backs and then like you said by the time that clears up and at that point you know there's not a lot of uh there's one not a lot of suitors for running backs to be your starter at that age and there's not a lot of tread left on your tires either so yeah like you said if you we're holding out hope that Pollard was eventually going to be a starter and it still hasn't happened even after like a seemingly disappointing season from Zeke last year. I think it's time to start thinking about whether it ever will happen, but no, that was fun. I like that. I mean, I think there's plenty of guys that we still could talk about um, rookie wise. So give me one more name that you're like interested in looking at and it'll probably receiver because we didn't really talk about a lot of them. And they will be the, you know, the bulk of who's drafted in round one and two of most rookie drafts. So who's a guy that you're like interested in? Is it Dotson and Burks, Pickens, Pierce, Sky Moore, Christian Watson? Pick one of those. Probably say off the top of my head would maybe be, we can maybe talk about Pickens just because he's another Six three, six four ish receiver going into the the Steelers, where they've got basically Deontay Johnson, Claypool is getting to board into that point to being a almost a make or break. Like, are you going to be the guy? Are you going to be a guy? Or do we need to move off you? Uh, you know, Pickens just another big bodied receiver coming out of Georgia, another high powered offense. Does he translate it into the NFL? Does he? come on the scene strong and, 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 you know, cause he's probably going to be at the very least in our league or most, you know, dynasty leagues, a late first, early second pick. Yeah. Does he beat out 
you know, does he, I don't think so, but what if he beat, does he going to beat out an Olave? Is he going to beat out a Traylon Burks? Like the guys that are probably going to be drafted before him, but he goes into an offense that is, is somewhat younger, you know, questions at quarterback and questions at receiver behind, you know, besides him and Deontay Johnson there. There's Pickens. Do you think Pickens is the, is a number one receiver eventually this year, next year? I think eventually he could be. I really like Pickens. Like you said, the size, ball skills, like his, his say before he got hurt was like super good. He also has some like maturity off the field concern type stuff, but with, well, under Mike Tomlin, I would, you know, I don't care about that at all now. Right. And I do think that they picked him because they're not planning on re-signing both, you know, either one of Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool. They might even not sign both. So you're looking at pretty soon, you know, as soon as next year Pickens could be the one or two on that team, maybe with Kenny Pickett, maybe with another quarterback. But, you know, I, I don't think – I think the Steelers have proven that they draft, like, good wide receiver prospects. Like, they always seem to be turning out somebody. Right. right? Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I trust – their evaluations and I, I like him. So I do think he's, he's a little bit of a stash. He might not, you know, show off that much this year, but I think down the road, he could be one of the better receivers from this class for sure. What about you? One more, one more rookie to talk about. Let's talk about Sky Moore, small school guy, Western Michigan, I think, but going to the chiefs. I mean, tried and true top-tier offense in the league that just lost Tyreek Hill. Could Sky Moore, I don't think he steps into that role, but there's definitely room for him to be involved. Not only did they lose Tyreek Hill, who I mentioned, but they lost um, Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle, who were parts of their offense, right? Like, not major, but there's there's room to fit into the offense around Kelsey, um, behind probably Juju, but if you're going to ask me if I have like supreme confidence in Marquez Valdez Scantling, I don't. So if, if Sky Moore were to beat him out for a role, I would not be surprised. And if you're connected to Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have that shine and the potential to have a really big season. So I think Sky Moore is going to be a first rounder in most rookie drafts. And I wish that he wasn't number 24 because then I could really like go for him a little harder but that's kind of um holding me back a little bit yeah absolutely stupid number choice at number at 24 it looks so bad on the receiver to even see uh but yeah like you said going to the chiefs that's uh it's hard to pass up on the potential is is he the next Tyreek Hill or is he like the Nicole Hardman where he just never puts it together is a number two number three on the team whatever I, who knows but the chiefs you will, you did, yeah, might as well take a chance of going with to the Chiefs where they just lost their number one guy. And now they're kind of a, a cluster of, you know, mid tier guys, you know, Juju, Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore. And I think they got, I think they got another rookie, Justin Ross. Is he a rookie? Yeah, he is. Um, Clinton, right? Yeah. Who was, so, if he never had his injury, he would have been like one of the top guys in this class for sure. 
But yeah, I like that fit. You know, again, I don't know anything about it. I don't think a lot of people do from the small school, not really, you know, knowing or, or, or having, you know, stats to go by and stuff like that against the top tier um, option or schools out there. But yeah, it's the Chiefs and kind of hard pressed to pass up on it. Yeah, the thing I like about him from what I've watched is he's pretty sure-handed and he's got like, he makes kind of tough catches like outside of the normal radius. So I think that's good for when you play with with Patrick Mahomes and just like those kind of, you know, broken plays where he's scrambling out and he's throwing on the run and it's maybe not going to be super accurate, but it's there. So if he can extend and make that play, you know, good for him. and. Yeah, like I said, I just I don't I get the MVS signing. I just don't have any faith in it because the Packers didn't and Aaron Rodgers didn't. So why would we think that we can, you know? <laughs> I love it. I mean, you never really was anything with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, yeah, that's such a good point. Like, how much better can he be now? I don't think very much, but we'll see. Could be wrong. I know Jim really wants him to be good this year. Jeez, man, that's so funny. Yep. Well, that was that was a long one. I know you got to get out of there, Snake. But anything else you want to tell the people after our double-ish kind of episode? No, just uh, once again, thanks for listening. Listen to the Scum and Snake show. We got a little bit of live action with the the league as we were recording here. Brendan making some moves on the app, setting the draft, and setting things in motion. I think everyone's starting to get antsy and reared and geared up and ready to go as we're near in the middle of July, really only what six, seven weeks away from week one and preseason coming up in about a month. So everyone's ready to go. I know we are football can't get here fast enough and we're here to bring you along every step of the way. Yeah. Love you guys. Thanks for listening and we'll be here. Like Shane said, the rest of the way leading us into the season. And it's going to be a crazy one. It's going to be good. But Scum and Sneak will lead you through it. That's right. Bye. Gives it to his, his own account. No, sorry, I did that. I flipped the coin. That was me. Wow. Freaking, what the heck? You're supposed to cheat. <laughs>